the Dead Letters Club podcast. It's getting dark out, so <laughs> we're getting dark we're out. Getting dark out. <laughs> It's like a podcast, but in a crypt. Dead Letters Club Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Dead Letters Club Podcast. I promise you, we know our name. Pardon the dog noises in the background. They're clearly demons. Yes. It's like a book club, but in a crypt. But in a crypt. We're definitely setting the mood. It's definitely spooky and cobwebby down and here. We may or may not be dead. Oh, definitely. Kind of dead. Yeah. Yeah. It applies. It's in the name. The exactly. Name it. Exactly. Tells you. Yeah. Spoiler alert, we're dead. Spoiler alert, we're dead. And we're reading by candlelight, so if we read something poorly, it's candles. Yeah, it's, that's obviously the reason. It's certainly not perfect, but it works. All right, so we are reading together, and maybe other people, if you also if they would like to read with us, yes. If you want to read along with us, that is how book clubs work. Eye of the World by Robert Jordan. We're starting the epic Wheel of Time 14 book series. You know, I am kind of surprised that it's not, like, the first one isn't called the Wheel of Time. Yeah. Especially because they mention it, like, in the prologue. Yeah, that it's like... That's the series name. Yeah, I feel like that's a branding issue, but, you know, all right. Well, Robert Jordan's dead, so... Oh, he is? Yeah. How long ago did this come out? I guess I should have looked that up. This came out 1990. So copyright. Yeah, so he died, actually, before finishing his book series. So this is not done? No, it is done. It was finished by... uh... Brandon Sanderson, the great and still alive Brandon Sanderson. Okay. Robert Jordan down here chilling with us in our crypt. Brandon Sanderson, not. Not, okay. Still alive, still writing books. Good to know. We love Brando Sando, great author. But Brandon Sanderson, being one of my favorite authors, I wanted to kind of actually read The Wheel of Time, which is kind of how he cut his teeth in fantasy. Okay. What other fantasy books has he written? I'm not good with authors. Oh. Oh, let me bring you on a journey. Oh, yes. On a tangential journey of Brandon Sanderson. Okay. So, currently writing uh, the Stormlight Archive series. Okay. Phenomenal high fantasy. Also, in his repertoire of amazing fantasy series, we have Mistborn. We have Era okay. 1 and Era 2. There's two. Interesting. So there's the Mistborn trilogy, and then there's the Wax and Wayne trilogy. And then he's got some uh, one-offs. So, like, Elantris, Warbreaker, stuff like that. Hmm. He's got some comic books he's written, and some young adult sci-fi. Interesting. Yeah, totally good. I would definitely check out, like, either one of his novellas or the Mistborn trilogy. They're shorter than Stormlight. Definitely sounds familiar, so... I've probably talked about it. Probably. Obsessively. Yeah. Hmm. Like a disturbing degree. So then which ones are written by him? I should fact check this, but I'm pretty sure the last couple have to be written by him. Hmm. But yeah, Brandon Sanderson, he kind of, um, Robert Jordan was his mentor. Phenomenal mentor to have. Yeah, this, apparently. This book series is a great combination of classic fantasy style and a bridge into new fantasy. 
modern fantasy, very different from earlier fantasy. This is, like, great if you loved Lord of the Rings, but you also love new fantasy. It's gonna be your midpoint. It's pretty good. So it's gonna be, like, flowery and poetic and super descriptive, but also it's gonna subvert your expectation on classic fantasy tropes. Okay. Oh, it looks like he wrote the last three. Yeah. And then there's a beginning book? Like a prequel. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah, one of those beginning books. The beginning book. Hmm. Very interesting. Learning lots. So, you have never read The Wheel of Time. I have not. I have never finished Eye of the World. I've started it a few times. I know a lot about the series. I've never read it to completion. The most I know about it is that there is an Amazon show about it. There is. Heard not great things. So, I'm going to be totally honest here. I, I watched the first three episodes. I stopped watching them when you agreed to do this podcast with me. I, this is going to be a divisive opinion. I liked it. It wasn't like super good. It wasn't super bad. I know a lot of people are, they have hard opinions about it. I see. I feel like with a show like this though, like a, a high fantasy show of a obviously massive world, the first season isn't that great. Like it can't, first seasons are like notoriously not great seasons unless you're watching reality TV. Well, yeah, it's or different. like you know, some Gossip Girl, like yeah. that kind of show. But I mean, Game of Thrones, like this season one was good, but arguably things didn't get great until the last like episode or two. Exactly. When like things are picking up and you're like, okay, this is starting to get somewhere instead of. The actors are still feeling themselves out. Exactly. You're building the world. You might not have all the funding you want. The CGI looks a little weird. That's to be expected. That's totally fine. I mean, that's even in the the Witcher show because the season one, a few of the like makeup and like sci-fi effects i was like "Ooh, this is uh, like that's a little weird this is a little weird but in the second season perfect much better the second season also phenomenal i just Real finished great. it so oh good my God. it was so good i know tyler and i binged it way too quickly and then now we're like oh well i watched i would watch it at work while juicing in the morning when we have to roll <laughs> at night if it's like no one's there i'm like all right i'm just gonna put the office here and just I literally have my headphones in and I'm, I'm watching The Witcher or weird docu-series. Makes sense. Also listening to podcasts. For the first time, oh, yeah. I made sure to bring my headphones so I didn't just have to put it in my apron pocket. Which is the worst. Yeah, because it, it's not great. And audiobooks, then I miss things. Also great. You see, I never got into audiobooks, but I think I think as I get into books more again, I probably would. I also started with a series that I didn't really know anything about and it was a fantasy series. But it's so much different when you're reading it because you like recognize how things are spelt. Yeah, Whereas yeah, a yeah. lot of the names sounded super familiar and like similar to each other. So I had no idea. It's like this person did that. And I'm like, who the fuck is this person? Who? Literally. I'm like, um, is this this person? Or is this this person? Let Didn't work out well. World on audiobooks. Let I hope so. introduce you to uh, the Sandman audiobooks. It's an Audible exclusive. But they do sound design and like a soundtrack for it. And it's all actors who do uh, the characters. Each character has a different actor. It makes it so much easier hmm. to follow. I bet. Changed my life on audiobooks. It was brilliant. James McAvoy plays Morpheus. Come on. Morpheus. Why do I know that? Why am I thinking of I'm that? I'm thinking of The Matrix. 
Probably. I'm like, I recognize this Not name. Lawrence Fishburne. Where Close. can I put it? <laughs> Who is Morpheus to me? I know one. Certainly. Sounds familiar. Okay. So, we're on the first prologue. First prologue. That is the word I was looking for. The earlier. Subtitle Ravens. Yes. You would think that they probably are important to this chapter. And they are, but also not. They are, but also not. We learn so much more in this chapter that has nothing to do with birds. Yeah. But there's some cool symbology. Yeah. So, let's do like a like a small little summary of what happens, if you want to. The girl. Mm-hmm. Remember, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. A queen. A queen. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, she is getting water for people. That's her job. She's kind of going around and kind of like yeah. introducing us to people in the town. And she's super proud about it. And she's like, I'm going to be the best damn water person And she ever. is. Ooh. She gets of, a little distracted. She does get distracted, but in the beginning, she had some strong water bearing yeah. capabilities. She 10 was, out of 10. She was going for it. Would allow to carry water for me. Yes, would hire her. She could get water at the restaurant. Um, but she <laughs> introduces us to... To people about the town, gives a little introduction to some of their culture. We don't quite know everything yeah. because it's it's just it's the prologue. prologue. I really enjoy that Robert Jordan put so many like heavy-handed farming references. Not even references, but it's part of their like. It's a big part of their. It's culture. a part of their culture. Like I gotta find it. They oh, the way that they insult somebody. They call them like something to do with sheep it's so interesting <laughs> i love it but i love that little um that little detail because it makes you realize how important farming is to emmons field yes. which is where it takes place it is oh uh, where is it i'm not sure but like sheep obviously super important to this town um she is carrying water for what we learned to be a very important kind of gathering yeah, they say it's like one of the most important. They mention a few other ones that are important, if I remember. Yes. But this one is called the Shearing. So all of these townspeople from all of these towns in the Two Rivers area, which is, let me, let me consult my fantasy map. My yes, most there is thing a map here. Um, Two Rivers is the area. Emmons Field is particularly, particularly where Egwene and her family are from. And all of the other characters we meet, they're from... Emmons Field, which is one of the villages of the two rivers. So this little gathering is where they like gather all their sheep. Gather all their sheep. They wash them. Wash them. Take off all the fur. Yeah. And then the merchants come and they sell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a really cool aspect of the kind of two rivers society is that when you see the men doing the labor, most of it, like they're shearing... They're packaging the wool. They're they're doing all that aspect. They're herding the sheep back out after they've been sheared. The women count and record what each farmer yield is. And they oh gosh, uh, they like check the quality too because exactly. Um, her sister tells some guy like, no, this is dirty. It's garbage practically. Yeah, exactly. So I find that super interesting that we get a little bit of that aspect of their culture. Mm -hmm. Another super interesting aspect of womanhood in this 
kind of area. Yeah, this this book definitely is very heavy-handed with the the womanhood. Oh, and yeah. how important it's going to be and how there's so much symbolism in the womanhood. Braiding hair is the what, right? Yeah, it's braiding hair when you're like a woman. Yeah, when when you're eligible to marry. Which I find so interesting that the women's circle determines when somebody can braid their hair. Yeah, it's not just an age thing. It's you have to like be a woman. It's a maturity. Yeah, you it's have to... totally about how you're perceived by the town, which I find super interesting. I love that. Well, it's also not common in. I mean, we don't necessarily know this kind of like yeah. time frame what it's supposed to be referencing to, but obviously it's like it's not modern. Um, so for women to be like that, cause normally it's just, oh, you've turned old enough to bear child. Here you go. You're a woman. Congratulations. Congratulations. You are now a woman. Congratulations. You had your period. Therefore yeah, and you get to have lots of children. That's how most, especially in not even outside of fantasy settings, but in our real world setting. Yeah, in actual. That's how womanhood was determined. You have your period. You can give birth. You're a woman. Congratulations. You're 14. No one cares. No one cares. No one cares. Go have children with this 40-year-old man. You're a toddler. Figure it out. You're a child. Go have sex and bear children. Like, that's concerning. Yes. But it's fine. The patriarchy. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen. It's fine. Um, But in this society, we see it's a little bit different. It's women who determine when you're woman enough to then marry and bear children if you want to. I feel like definitely there's a choice in this society. I know Egwene feels like she's being pushed to marry and everyone keeps referring to like, oh, you, you're you supposed to marry Rand. You're going to marry Rand. And she's kind of like, but I want to travel. But I want to be an adventurer yeah. and go to all these places. And you know what? Go off. Do it. Do it. We also see two really prominent... Um, braided female characters who are not married. We see uh, Nynaeve, who is the Wisdom's kind of apprentice, and we see Wisdom Baron, who is the Wisdom of Evansfield. Both stronger woman characters who are braided, seen as women, who are not married. They act as a Wisdom for Evansfield. Which we assume is equates to some type of healer. I feel like it's yeah. got to be a little bit more than just a healer. I feel like they carry a, a societal importance. We don't really know. We're only yeah. introduced to them very briefly in this prologue. But um, we see Nynaeve kind of binding a wound, taking care of a leg injury, and with the other wisdom, Wisdom Baron, chastising her. Yeah. Saying it wasn't right. But she also chastises the man getting aided. For drinking too much and then trying to shear sheep. So they obviously are more important in this society other than healing. They play a bigger role. Yeah. And they mention a few times the women's circle and we don't get a huge, we don't really get too much information on yeah. that, but it's obviously, it. they equate it to something that the men do, if I, I remember. Um, so there is the women's circle. There's also the village council. So there's yeah. a dichotomy in this society. There's the village council for men. And then there's the women's circle. They're of equal importance. The, we, yeah, it definitely seems like that. Yeah, we hear from Egwene's inner monologue that Perrin's mother would no sooner open her mouth about council business than Perrin's father would about women's circle business. Yes. 
very distinct, but both very important to their society. They're equally important, and I'm assuming they have different tasks. Yes. And I'm assuming there's some kind of selection process. I don't know. We don't see it. We don't see it. This is just the prologue. And we also, in order to not, like, I don't even know how to say it, I guess spoil ourselves for this episode, we didn't read too much further because we didn't want to get, like, answers to the questions (laughs) that we would have. That way it's more genuine. I have been as well. I know I started to and I was like, ooh, I don't know if I should do this. Oh, super interesting. Also, we see different aspects of women regard... Uh, how should I say it? How the society regards women by meeting Egwene's sisters. Yes. I believe she has five sisters. Yikes. That's a lot of sisters. That's a lot of sisters. So, we get introduced to them throughout the prologue. Obviously, we know Egwene's very headstrong. She's very, like, yes, kind of stubborn. She takes great pride in doing the right thing. Like, she's carrying water. She's very prideful about that. But she also wants to do her own thing. She's trying to find the boys. Her sisters, on the other hand, there's Berwyn. Uh, she's super widowed. Super sad. Super widowed. She's super widowed. She's not remarrying. <laughs> Tell me she's remarrying. There's no way. No. She's so depressed in this <laughs> That sounds so mean, but she is. That's her characterization. It's depressed. It's it depression. It Barrowin, is. Heroin, depression. Depression. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Um, we get to see that even though they have wisdoms in this society, they can't, they obviously don't have the medical technology to kind of contain or aid all illnesses because yeah. Barrowin's child, and I believe her child, was her kid and her husband, I believe, died to some kind of illness. I think so. Um, so Barrowin shows us that disease and fever still devastate populations. So like that's still an issue. They have wisdoms. They have the ability to bind wounds and know some sort of medical aid, but not enough to where common disease is still ravaging yeah. their towns. We also meet her other sisters um, over the course of this prologue. There's Louise, who's like super confrontational, super yeah. adventurous. We see her get into it with um what's that is, asshole? uh is it dag right something like that it is dag yeah dag so, coplin yeah master coplin who Egwene like doesn't want to refer to him as a master she's like very hesitant at, about it yeah because he's kind of a dick she she's like i'll do it because it's the polite thing and yeah, what i'm supposed to yeah. do but also i hate you which is in line with her characterization. She's polite, she's respectful, but she also has this, like, rebellious streak that her sister Louise has to a higher degree. Yes. She 100% is not taking his shit. Yeah. She's like, bro. Yeah. She's this like, wool, it not. isn't great. Yeah. She said, so, he stands up to her because she's not accepting his count. He says, that's good, wool. that's good wool you're setting aside. He growled at Luis. I won't be cheated on my clip, girl. Step aside and I'll show you what goes where myself. And Luis, she's like not backing down. She's like, Mm-mm. nah, man. So Luis did not move an inch. Wool from bellies, hindquarters, and tails has to be washed again, Master Coplin. She put a bit of emphasis on Master. She was feeling snippish. You know as well as I, if the merchants find twice washed wool in just one bale, Everyone will get less for their clip. Maybe my father can explain it to you better than I can. 
she's like, fuck you. Burn. That is a respectfully go fuck yourself. Yeah. And I love it. I'm here for it. Go, Luis. Go off. That is go find the wisdom to get some ice for that burn. Hell yeah. You know what Nynina, Nynaeve has? Potentially ice. Probably not. It might be Probably cold not. water. <laughs> there might be some kind of salve. Yeah. Go to Nynaeve for a salve for that burn. For that burn. That was rough. Get yeah. out of here. She, yeah, fuck you. Yeah. And then her next sister Remy is Aline, who we don't get that much characterization no. for. She's bookish. She spends all of her time reading. Yep. This is the character I relate to the most. <laughs> I love books. I read all the time. Uh, she does, she, uh, she feels herself superior and she like takes yeah. books from, yeah. from, uh, she has decided she's smarter than all of her sisters. Yeah. She's like, nah, this, this isn't for you. Like read Wayne's this kid's reading book. a book and she goes, hell no. She's like, Give this me that is book. sophisticated. Even though it is mentioned in this prologue that she's read almost all the books twice of her father's library, which is impressive for a medieval family to have a library and that they all read. That's exceptional. That is. I love that. Very different from most medieval-esque oh, societies. certainly. And then we meet Elisa. So there's definitely only four. I thought there were five. Maybe Egwene's the fifth. Yeah. We meet Elisa, her fourth sister. She's super anxious. She's distracted. We find out she's 18, but has not been braided. Whereas Mm-mm. the standard is like, 16 right yeah the standard 16 she's so upset she's so upset she's so upset and she's also an old maid she's also fucking old yeah no one's touching her no one wants that no one wants that no one wants that dusty vagina and then Egwene tries to make her feel better about it she does it's page 12 if you're looking Egwene sees her sister is worried elisa and she sees Elisa um, giggling and, like, showing off for some boys and how upset she is. And Egwene says, Elisa, you shouldn't worry so, she said gently. Maybe Berwin and Aline got their hair braided at 16. Most girls did, she thought. She was not all sympathy. Elisa had a habit of offering sayings. The hour wasted won't be found again. Our smile makes the work lighter. Till your teeth started to ache from them. I'm skipping a bit more characterization. But Callie's 20, and her name day is coming in a few months now. Her hair's not braided, and you don't see her moping. So she's trying to make her feel better. She's like, hey, Callie's over there giggling and flirting with some dude. She's unbraided. She's almost 20. You're only 18, bro. It's fine. You still got years ahead You're of you. You're chilling. But Elisa's having none of that. No. <laughs> it says, uh, Elisa's hand went still in the fleece on the table in front of her. For some reason, the women on either side of her put their hands over their mouths, trying to hide their laughter. For some reason, Elisa's face turned bright red. Very bright red. Not good. She's embarrassed. She got fucked up by Egwene. Egwene, yeah. totally wholesome. She thinks it's gonna help. and not helping. Right? She's just trying to be a good sister. She's like, hey man, it's fine. And then she unintentionally called out her sister. And then she embarrasses her. And Elisa... She just goes off. She's like, children should not. Elisa spluttered. Her face might be burning like the sun, but for all her spluttering, her voice was as cold as a midwinter snow. A child who talks when, child who, and she can't finish her sentence. She's so angry. So, yeah. braids are obviously important. Mm-hmm. Gotta get your braid, man. Gotta get your braid. 
Yeah. Especially because another girl who was a year younger than her and had a braid just starts laughing at her. Yeah. Rough. Rough. That is so rough. You're down bad. Yeah. That is down bad. That is down real bad. And then after that, we've already touched on it, but that's when <coughs> we get to see um, Emmonsfield's wisdom and we get introduced to Nynaeve. Nynaeve? Cool as hell. Seems cool. I like Nynaeve. Definitely can tell that there's going to be a story there. She definitely seems important. Yes. We get introduced to a lot of people in this prologue, but she stands out to me. Egwene stands out to me, obviously. Point of view character. Yeah. Nynaeve stands out to me. Obviously, Perrin stands out to me. There was a big bit on Perrin and his family. Mm -hmm. And also um, Rand and Matt. Yeah, uh, Master um, Althor does too. Yeah, Rand's father. Yes. Also big, big character, I think. Yes. Um, There is some contention with Nynaeve, though, that uh, I believe we should touch on. Yeah. So, it is kind of divisive on Nynaeve being the Wisdom's apprentice. Um, Supposedly, the old apprentice died. Yes. Yeah. Um... It is said that the Wisdom's old apprentice died from a sickness that that Baron couldn't cure. Baron being Emmonsfield's Wisdom. So obviously there is fallibility with the Wisdom. You can't cure everything. It's not magic. She's not perfect. Correct. And we know that uh, Wisdom Baron often praises Nynaeve publicly. Mm -hmm. And says great things about her publicly. Because, I believe, it's contentious that this orphan, because we learned that... She's an orphan, yeah. She's an orphan, recently, is too old. Yes, they make a point of mentioning that. Yeah. She's she's, old. Yeah, she's too old to be an apprentice. And we kind of see Wisdom Baron undo Nynaeve's braid. Or undo Nynaeve's bandage. Mm -hmm. Not braid, that would be fucking wild. That would be real wild. That would be an insult. That'd be some Jerry Springer type shit. (laughs) So, Mistress Baron undoes Nynaeve's bandage to check her work, and she seems disappointed. She doesn't seem happy. Yeah. She's like, oh, this is not great. But yeah, it's, it's not exactly clear why, like... Yeah, she doesn't say anything. She just undoes it and looks kind of disappointed. It says, <clears throat> The wisdom sniffed in disbelief, but she continued to watch Nynaeve like a hawk. That was surprising. Mistress Baron often praised Nynaeve publicly for being such a quick learner. She had apprenticed Nynaeve three years earlier. If we skip forward. Nynaeve straightened on her knees, done with fastening the bandage, and gave a satisfied nod. And to Egwene's surprise, Mistress Baron knelt down and undid it again, even lifting the bread poultice to peer at the gash in Billy's thigh. Before being before beginning to wrap the cloth back around his leg. She actually looked disappointed. But why? Nynaeve began fiddling with her braid, tugging it this way, tugging at it in the way she did when she was nervous or trying to bring attention to the fact that she was a grown woman now. So, obviously she didn't do something wrong. Yes. And all the while that this is happening, there's also more ravens. More ravens gathering. And um, Ogwin points out that it's they're like not watching the stuff that they'd usually be like food. the food or 
or smaller animals. Smaller animals, you know, looking for anything, but they're watching the men. Yeah, they're watching the men and they're watching Egwene. Mm-hmm. And they don't seem to be as skittish as birds normally are. No. You know? You like jump at a bird, they're gonna fucking fly away. These birds, chill as fuck. They don't care. They do not care. It's also not a family friendly show. I say fuck often. It's, yeah. That's bad. I said dusty vagina, so. Even better. <laughs> and then um, we finally meet possible future husband. Possibly. Talk of the town. Yeah. Randall Thor. He is said to be um, kind and brave by Egwene. And potentially she kind of mentions that he's pretty. He's a pretty boy. She seems like she's kind of into him. And, important note, he has blue eyes. Apparently that is not common. Blue eyes, not common. Could be important. Which means I could potentially be important in Anna's field. And I could not be important. I'm Rand Althor. (laughs) It's who I am. I'm Perfect. determined that's who I am. Um, his mother died when he was younger, and he's very, like, mild-mannered. He thinks before he speaks. He's very, like, calm. You know, cool, cool as a cucumber. Definitely. We love Randall for, I guess. He seems, so far, seems good. Who seems knows? Seems good. And all the while, she's kind of pontificating that would she like Rand as a husband? Would these qualities translate to being a good husband? That's what she's thinking about. Because, you know, like, that's the kind of pressure that's being put on her. Yeah. We hear his first um, talking points when he's actually, mm. like, in the scene. I'd like to be king, Rand was saying. That's what I'd like to be. Interesting first line. Is Rand going to be a king? Maybe. Maybe. If I was a betting woman, I'd put some dollars on it. Yes. But I'm not because I have terrible foresight with that kind of stuff. I, yeah. Well, okay. So I've been reading another book right now and I'm terrible because I'm like, ooh, I think that this is where it's going. And then I'm like, all right, Google, tell me if this is where it's going. (laughs) And you're like, fuck, it's not. But I also spoil myself. Well, it was, but I was like, okay, but I just got the answer to my question. I'm like, I'm not going to read anymore. I'm like, okay. I'm done with it. I got it. I know I'm right. Now I can continue. So he says, I'd like to be king. That's what I'd like to be. He flourishes his arm. He makes like kind of awkward bow. He's laughing. Like Obviously, he's kidding. Um, and it says, <coughs> um, Egwene grimaced, a king. She studied his face. No, he was not pretty. Well, perhaps he was. Maybe it did not matter. But it might be nice to have a husband she liked to look at. His eyes were blue. No, gray. They seemed to change while you watched. Nobody else in the two rivers had blue eyes. Sometimes his eyes look sad. So, that could be important. Definitely. We love some some heavy-handed, he's special energies. Yes. We love that. He gets introduced saying he wants to be a king. He's kind of pretty. He's got yeah. special eyes. He's going to be important. He's going to be important. So, he's, he's one of our major players. Put that in the major player bank. So far, we have a Gwaine. Next, we have Nynaeve. We kind of skipped over Perrin, but he's also potentially important. We get a, a lot on him and his family dynamic. Yeah. If we uh, rewind it back a little bit. Our timeline kind of sucks. But... I was going to try to make a like noise, but it, 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 I was like, oof. Rewind your VHSs, players. Yeah. I have no one's going to get that if they were 
not born in the 90s. It's fine. We're old. We're old now. You know that, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm aware. So we get introduced to Perrin. He's bigger than most kids his age. He's a big guy, but he's shy. He doesn't say a lot. He's always serious and he doesn't laugh, but he seems super genuine. With Adora, he's so nice. Yeah. He's so sweet to Adora. He plays with her. He picks her up. He spins her around because he's so big. That could be important. Man's a giant. He's huge. He's probably taller than me. And what are they, like, nine in this chapter? Yeah. Yeah. Literally. She's, like, nine years old. Yeah. So, that's a big fucking nine-year-old. Picking up another kid. That's a lot. That is a lot. So, he's also another major player. We've got Perrin. We've got Egwene. We've got Nynaeve. We've got Rand. Major players so far. Major players. Asterisk next to their names. Highlight it in your book. Highlight it on your Google Doc. Highlighters everywhere. Go crazy. Plot twist, we never hear about any of them Plot again. Plot twist, we're all wrong. They die in the first chapter. <laughs> Plot twist, someone who's read this book is listening to this episode and they're like, you're fucking dumb. They're like, you're so stupid. You are so dumb. They're like, you're trying to sound so smart right now, but you know fucking you, nothing. You think you're in your English class dissecting the Odyssey and really you're just You're just dumb. fucking dumb. So after Rand, we meet Matt. Yes, the he, friend. He's a troublemaker. He doesn't want to be in Emmons Field. He wants to go on adventures. He's mischievous. He's kind of a shithead. Yeah. But we like that. We like that. I do like a shithead. He, Rand being so good and so wholesome needs that kind of shithead friend. He yeah. needs that foil. You can't be so good and wholesome and not have a shithead friend. Exactly. It's just not how it works. It's not. So, after we get our introduction to the boys that Egwene was looking for. And she's kind of just watching them for a while. Yeah, she's being a little creepy. She is being a little that's, creepy. That's a little creepy. But I guess they, she's a kid, so. Yeah. That's fine. Um, Perrin also rolls up. So they're all together now. Yes. Got Matt, Perrin, Egwene, and Rand. Minus Nynaeve. Nynaeve's not there. And I think there's a few other, like, unimportant yeah, boys there. Yeah, there's a few other boys that we don't need to know about. <clears throat> so, they all kind of roll up to Egwene's father. Uh, I believe they're, he's the mayor, right? Yeah, I think he's like a mayor figure. Yeah, um, because someone comes over and is like, the mayor wants you. Yes, the mayor is looking for the boys, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, as she walked back along the sheep pen to where she had left her bucket, Donnell Lewin passed her, heading toward the back of the pen. At 13, he was even skinnier than Rand and thrust with a thrusting nose. She hesitated over the bucket, listening. At first, she heard nothing but murmurs. Then, the mayor wants me, Matt ex- exclaimed. He can't want me. I haven't done anything. We know he's a troublemaker. That's a sign of someone who's done something. That's the sign of someone who's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was me as a kid. I haven't <laughs> done anything yet. Yet. The operative word. Yet. He wants all of you. And double quick, Danelle said. I'll get over to him now, if it was me. So... They're like, what the fuck is going on? And Egwene's like, oh. She is curious. Yeah. And then Matt makes a comment about how the mayor knows what he's doing as soon as he does. And so does his mother. So we we know that there is a history of Matt being a shithead. Yes. We love it. We love it. So they all roll up to the mayor, which is Egwene's father. 
So she is pretty important in this town. She is. The mayor's daughter. The mayor's daughter. Which could mean nothing at all. She could not be important. At all. So her father kind of studies the boys. And he says, Well, lads, I know you've been working hard. Matt gave Rand a startled look and Perrin shrugged his shoulders uncomfortably. Rand just nodded, but uncertainly. So I thought it might be time for that story I promised you. Her father finished. Egwene grinned. Her father told the best stories. We love some stories. Yes. Potentially could be an important story. Potentially. So all the boys kind of chime in what they want. So like one says, I want... Matt says, I want a story with adventures. And Daph, irrelevant character... So, <laughs> potentially i don't know who he is but he seems irrelevant they've barely mentioned him so he's gotta be <laughs> he just shows up i want Aes Sedai and warders watch him be the bad guy anyway <laughs> matt then says again i want <coughs> trollix and 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 a false dragon dragon capitalized yes that is a sign of importance that means it's important yeah if you know anything about grammar could be Important. That's a proper noun. Yeah. You know what proper nouns are? Proper and important. Yeah. Or possibly a typo. Possibly a typo, <laughs> but it, it occurs again. Yes. Like sentence after. So, you know, I think it's... Super. Probably actually important. So... I mean, Egwene's... dragons are always important. Yeah, we love dragons. Egwene's father chuckled. I'm no gleeman, lads. I don't know any stories like that. Tam, would you like to give it a try? Egwene blinked. Why would Rand's father know stories like that? If her father did not, Master Althor had been chosen to the council to speak for the farmers around Emmons Field. But as far as she knew, all he had ever done was farm sheep and tobacco like anyone else. Now, could be tobacco. That's what I'm going to go with. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah. So, interesting. Egwene's father. No stories like this. No yeah. no adventures, no Aes Sedai's, no warders, no false dragons. Rand's father. Ta- Tam. Tam Althor does have stories like this, potentially. So we get introduced to Master Althor, and he looks troubled. Mm-hmm. He is uncomfortable being put on the spot. And she, Egwene's like, I hope he fucking doesn't know any stories like this. Don't one-up my dad. Who the fuck are you? Who dude? the fuck are you? She's like, hell no. And so Tam Althor finishes shearing his sheep, and... He was brought another. He exchanged smiles with Rand. As it happens, he said, I do know a story something like that. I'll tell you about the real dragon, not a false one. Whoa. 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 And immediately, a man who's also shearing a sheep straightens. Master Bowie. He straightens so fast that the sheep nearly runs away from him. He's like, we'll have none of that, Tam Althor. He growled in his scratchy voice. That's nothing fit for decent ears to hear. And Egwene's father is like, yo, chill. Chill, man. It's fine. It's just a, it's story, a story, bro. It's a story. And this man's like, nah, dude. Story. Some stories shouldn't be told. Some stories shouldn't be known. It isn't decent, I say. I don't like it. If they need to hear about wars, give them th- something about the war of a hundred years. Or Trolloc Wars. That'll give them Aes Sedai and Trollocs. If you have to talk about such things. Or the Aeol War. Interesting. Those Very are going to be cool. I'm interested in hearing those. Yes. Let's get four stories, Master Althor. So everyone's just like, yo, it's just a story. Chill. 
and they're they're all kind of like bagging on this uh, master buoy. They're like, man, you don't like anything. Yeah, what a pussy. So everyone moves closer to Master Alfor, and he continues shearing, but he's doing it slower as he begins his story. And he says, "This is just a story because no one knows everything that happened." But it really did happen. You've heard of the Age of Legends. So I've got some interesting little asides for this story. Yes. I find it super interesting. So, Rand's father says, 3,000 years ago, and more it was, there were great cities full of buildings taller than the White Tower. And that's taller than anything but a mountain. Machines that used to... Machines that used the one power carried people across the ground faster than a horse can run. And some say machines carried people through the air, too. Suspect. Suspect. You know what that sounds like? I would get a little closer to your mic. Absolutely not. (laughs) I want to be quiet. Heard. So, to me, that sounds like potentially airplanes. It does. It definitely... We have... Machines that use the one power carried people across the ground faster than a horse can. Okay. And some say machines carried people through the air too. Even better. That sounds suspicious to me. That, as someone who has read some interregnum books, this seems to me like it's a layout to potentially take place after modern civilization. Yes. Which I find super interesting. Very intriguing. I'm very intrigued. Very intrigued. And he said, there was no sickness anywhere, no hunger, no war. And the Dark One touched the world. Dark One, also capitalized. That's a proper noun. Another proper noun there. We love those. And they're all like, oh shit, the Dark One. Which is also, Egwene kind of mentioned when she first saw all the ravens kind of amassing and being weird. She's like, those are the messengers. Those are the servants of the Dark One. So this has already been mentioned. Yeah. So we're already suspect of that guy. Very suspect. And she was like, why would you name him? You fuck. And then... Very uh, Voldemort-esque. Yeah, very like, you say his name and he will appear. Exactly. So, Master Althor continues on. And he says that the Age of Legends hasn't known a war. Not even a memory of war. But when the Dark One touched the world, they had to learn. Yeah. Because it was aggressive. Yeah. He said, there wasn't a war like those you hear about when the merchants come for wool and to back between two nations. This war covered the whole world. The War of the Shadow. It came to be called. Those who stood for the light faced as many who stood for the shadow. And besides dark friends beyond counting, there were armies of... Mirdral and Trollocs greater than anything the Blight spewed up during the Trolloc Wars. I said I went over to the Shadows, too. They were called the Forsaken. So we're getting introduced to um, some kind of evil people. Yes. Very briefly. They're all proper nouns. We love those. So we have Dark Friends. We have Mirdral. We have Trollocs. We have Aes Sedai. But the evil Aes Sedai, also the Forsaken could potentially be interesting i have no idea what any of these are no but i'm so interested very i'm engaged at Mm -hmm. this point so like 
everyone else in this setting is also engaged. Egwene is confused. Yes. She says the Forsaken had been Aes Sedai. She hoped Master Althor did not say that too freely or the women's circle would come calling on him. Anyway, some of the Forsaken were men, so he had to be wrong. So now we know that Aes Sedai and potentially the Forsaken are mostly women. Yes. Or potentially all women. Because Egwene's like, that can't be right. There yeah. were some men. Forsaken. And if you're talking smack about the uh, Aes Sedai, the women's circle's going to be pissed. Yeah. Don't talk shit on women. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely some very interesting foreshadowing there. Yeah. And then we learned that um, there's not a whole lot known about the details of this war, the War of the Shadow. Um, he th- he thinks that the Aes Sedai have records of it, but they they don't allow anyone else to view their records. Yeah. Some of them, anyway. He goes on to describe how big of a scale the war is on. He says, a hundred thousand men on each side. Well, those battles would have been." Counted small in the War of the Shadow. Whole cities were destroyed, razed to the ground. The countryside outside the cities fared as badly. Wherever a battle was fought, it left only devastation and ruin behind. The war went on for years and years all over the world. And slowly the shadow began to win. Not good. That's not not good. good. The light was pushed back and back until it appeared certain the shadow would conquer everything. Hope faded away like mist in the sun. But... The Light had a leader who would never give up, a man called Luz Theron Talamon, the dragon, who we meet in the other prologue. Yes. And he is unwell. Yeah, he is, uh... He is down bad. Yeah, he's not in good shape. He is unwell. But we kind of get to hear a little bit about him before we then read Yeah, before we read about him. Yeah. So... Egwene is kind of like taken aback. She's like the dragon destroyed everything. She didn't know a lot about the breaking of the world, which is a book name in this series. It's it seems important. Yeah. The breaking of the world. What is that? Yes, yeah, sounds like know. a big deal. That sounds like a big deal. And she's like she, And it's also capitalized. It's also a proper noun, breaking of the world. And she's like Surely he had fought for the shadow. He cannot be a good man. Why are you t- telling us he's a good man? So Master Althor kind of talks about how he like raises an army and he doesn't have much hope, but he attacks the valley of Thankandar. Wow. Rough. Which is the heart of the shadow. So that's like Mordor. Yes. In my mind. That's where I go. <laughs> and he strikes right in the heart of their like evil baddie city which is Shalgul which sounds sick sounds pretty cool as a ghoul yeah. i'm interested i'm intrigued i would love to move there and they said if thankandar is the heart of the shadow then Shalgul is the heart of the heart that's the baddest of the bad that is the worst place to be that is you should not be there definitely not to be there and he said all of his companions died. But at Shalagul, he sealed the Dark One back into the prison the creator made for him. And the Forsaken with him. And the world was saved from the Dark One. So, Luz Theron, the dragon, 
raises a small force. He goes into the heart of the heart of the evil city, Shalgul. And he's like, yo, this is our stand. This is where we end this. Man to man, let's go. Or woman. Man to woman. We don't know. Yeah. And at Shalgul, there is a prison that was made by the creator that they lock away the Dark One in. He's in that prison. With the Forsaken. Interesting point. With the Forsaken, yes. And... It does also mention that the uh, Aes Sedai, who knows if I'm pronouncing that right, I'm nervous about it, um, rained fire and lightning down on him, so hints at some magic. I fucking hope so. I fucking hope so, too. So, we see that Egwene kind of thinks about it, and she said, The Dark One and all the Forsaken are bound at Shao Ghul, bound away from the world of men, she recited to herself. She could not remember the rest, but it helped. Only if the dragon had saved the world, how had he destroyed it? So we find out, possibly, that he saved the world once, and he potentially destroyed it. We don't know. We weren't there. Yes. And then we get a really interesting comment from Perrin, which, like, intrigued me when I read this. Yeah. He scratches his head. He goes, Master Althor, what does the dragon mean? If someone's called the lion, it means he's supposed to be like a lion. But what's a dragon? There's no dragons. That is so cool. Although book three is called The Dragon Reborn. That's really cool. I I enjoy that massively, that no one knows what a dragon actually is. Yeah. And Rand's father, he just kind of says, I don't know. I don't think anyone does. Maybe not even the Aes Sedai. So we kind of see that the Aes Sedai are super educated. Yeah. If that's the right word. Like, they're not only potentially magical, they're also like scholars. Yeah, and have records of they're everything record keeping they're smart they're potentially magical i want to be an isodai what oh god what is um what are the people in game of thrones with all the chains maesters yeah kind of like they're reminds like female me. maesters yeah with magic so much cooler hell yeah and so they kind of all disperse after that and she's kind of like thinking about it and it's making her anxious yeah and then she becomes aware of the ravens again mm-hmm. many more than there had been before flapping out of the trees flying away west towards the mountains of mist she shifted her shoulder she felt as if someone were staring at her back someone or she did not want to turn around but she did raising her eyes up to the tree behind the men shearing midway up a tall pine a solitary raven stood on a branch staring at her right at her she felt cold right down to her middle the only thing she wanted to do was run and that is the raven's prologue it is so well here we can take a quick break yeah pause this unhappy Alrighty. all right so we're on prologue number two prologue number two a lot shorter much shorter oh my god packed with action as you saw in my notes, I lost my mind. Yeah, this one's pretty wild. <laughs> I said, uh, clearly everything in this encounter is important. I'm going to stop detailing every bit that I think is important yeah. for my own sanity. And then my next bulletin board was, he's unhinged. Literally. Clearly, all caps, lost his mind. Yeah, because it like starts off and it's like you're talking like, about the destruction yeah, in like, this what palace. The fuck? Like, things have been on fire, and he's, like, calling out for his love. Mm-hmm. Um, Elena, he's like, where are you? 
Let's, yeah. Uh, tell me about this damage. Um, it's a lot. There is scorch marks on the walls uh, and the floors and ceilings, uh, black smears across the blistered paints. Um, soot is laying over like everything, um, including men and animals, which it says appears attempted to walk before the madness. Um, the dead lay everywhere. Men, women, children uh, struck down by uh, lightning. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah. That's and not your normal damage. They mentioned lightning from the uh, Aes Sedai. Yeah. So, you know. And that's not your normal damage. That's that, not. The lightning inside a castle? Not normal. Not normal. Castles don't come with lightning. Yeah. If they did, our crypt would come with lightning, and it doesn't. Yeah, and the floors are, like, rippled and... Yeah, that's crazy. That's pretty crazy. I loved that detail. Like, people were swallowed by a living stone. Yeah. What a, a fear I didn't know I had. I have unlocked two new fears this week. Being yeah. swallowed by living stone in a castle and being on a boat at nighttime. Yeah. TikTok has made me very much more scared of things. Um, yeah, the but world like, is scary. In this... In the first section, you think he's just looking for his wife. Yeah. He's just casually walking past by. Like, he has no regards for the body he's walking over. No. He does not care. But you th- you think he's distraught, right? Yeah. Um, He's wandering the palace. He's like, where are you? My wife, my wife. Why is everybody, where is everyone hiding? And you're like, bro, you're stepping over dead bodies. No one's hiding. They're dead. Yeah. And then he catches himself. His reflection in a mirror that's like askew from bubbled marble. Yeah. Rough. It says, his clothes had been regal once, in gray and scarlet and gold. Now the finely woven cloth brought by merchants from across the world sea was torn and dirty, thick with the same dust that covered his hair and skin. For a moment, he fingered the symbol on his cloak, a circle half white and half black. The colors separated by a sinuous line. It had meant something that symbol but the embroidered circle could not hold his attention long he gazed at his own image with as much wonder a tall man just into his middle years handsome once but now with hair already more white than brown and a face lined by strain and worry dark eyes that had seen too much Louis stared began to chuckle (laughs) then threw his head back his laughter echoed down the lifeless halls you are unwell you are unwell. Yeah. Not good. If I ever look at my reflection and start <clears throat> laughing like that, I need to I need to go to a hospital. Oh, I forgot my airplane mode. I think it did too. At least Ooh. we did it together. Oh see you here, you hear the little Yeah. Thankfully no one texts me because I I'm at one of my only friends' home. Yeah. So And Tyler's working, so Blessed. no one needs to talk to me. <laughs> Pretty sure Kevin's just at my house sleeping. <laughs> so after that, he's still shouting for his wife. But then, what happens? Oh, um, the air ripples behind him, and someone else appears. A man who looked around, his mouth twisting briefly with distaste. Uh, not as tall, um, and in all black. But he's dripping. He's in all black. Yeah, except we for some stand. white lace around the throat. Mm-hmm. Oh, we stand a man in all black. We do. Presumably the dark one. Just, you know. Potentially. All black. 
Seems to hint at it. Could be a dark one. Not proper noun. Yes. So. Oh, and his thigh-high boots? Come on. Mm-hmm. Come on. That's fashion. This is a man after my own heart. Yeah. If you want to get my attention, all black, lace collar, thigh-high leather boots. Let's go. Yeah. Let's party. And he addresses Luz Theron as the Lord of the Morning. He says, I have come for you. Luz Theron, unwell, unhinged, clearly. He stops laughing. It says his laughter cut off as if it had never been. You are unwell. If you're just completely stopping your laughter like you hadn't just been laughing, you are unwell. Yeah. Oh, also, I know he's not the dark one because doesn't he say he's going to take him somewhere like yeah, to a man? Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's fine. Dumb. We're just, uh, we're just talking. Yeah. Luz Theron goes, ah, a guest. Have you the voice, stranger? What's the voice? What is the voice? That just reminds me of Dune. As a big Dune fan, I'm like, oh, you have the voice. Oh. I'm like, mm, tell me more. Anyway, he goes, have you the voice, stranger? It will soon be time for the singing, proper noun. Mm-hmm. And here all are welcome to take part. Elena, my love, we have a guest. Elena, where are you? First of all, what is the voice? Is it related to the voice in Dune? Because I'm already intrigued. <laughs> Secondly, what is the time of the singing? That is also a proper noun. Voice singing, proper nouns. That's important. Yeah. So interesting. Very interesting. Very Not, curious. As we discussed earlier, the Stormlight Archive, there is a, a species, a subspecies, a humanoid species on Roshar, and their magic users are called singers. And I'm like, oh my god. Interesting. And Brandon Sanderson, mentored by Robert Jordan. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued. So, like, <laughs> this man is just like, who the fuck? And he looks down to the body of the golden-haired woman that's which, been pointed out. Yeah, which Luz there and just, like, casually stepped over. Yeah. And then back at Luz and is like, okay. And he basically is like, yeah. Are you- He's like, are you crazy? Are you crazy? But he says it in a weird way. He doesn't go, are you mad like you would expect? He says... Does the taint already have you so far in its grip? What is the taint? I hope to God that this isn't a major plot point because if I have to say the taint yeah, for 14 more books, that's, uh, that's going to be rough. I'm not going to have a good time. No. <laughs> the taint already have you? Great. And then he says Shaitan and like Luz Theron is like, you mustn't say that name. It's dangerous. So who's Shaitan? why are you introducing me to all these people you're not explaining exactly so this man keeps like prodding loose there he's like he's like what else do you remember remember you light-blinded idiot i will not let it end with you swaddled in unawareness remember for a moment loose Theron stared at his raised hand fascinated by the patterns of crime then he wiped his hand on his even dirtier coat and turned his attention back to the other man who are you what do you want and so we finally get a name for the mysterious, handsome fellow in black. Mm-hmm. Once I was called Elaine Morin Tedronai, but now Betrayer of Hope. It was a whisper from Luz Theron. So you do remember some things. Yes, Betrayer of Hope. Some So have men named me, just as they have named you Dragon. But unlike you, I embrace the name. They gave me the name to revile me, but I will yet make them kneel and worship it. What will you do with your name? After this day, men will call you Kinslayer. What will you do with that? Fella killed his family. 
Yeah, fella. I'm concerned that he killed everyone in that castle. Probably did. Family annihilator, for sure. Concerning. Yeah. And he's just, like, he's still looking. Yeah, he's still, like, in the delusion. He's like, oh, Elena, you should be here to help welcome this guest. We have guests. What are you doing? Yeah, it's so ridiculous. And we get a little bit more, um, a little bit more about Lucerne. Like, you stood among the servants once you wore the ring of Tamerlan and sat in the high seat once you summoned the nine rods of dominion. Now look at you. A pitiful, shattered wretch. Ouch. Ouch. That is an insult. Ouch. But this man is, like, not having, he's like, it is not enough. You humbled me in the hall of servants. This man has a vengeance. He's here for a purpose. Yes. You defeated me at the gates of Parendeson, but I am greater now. I will not let you die without knowing that. When you die, your last thought will be the full knowledge of your defeat and how complete and utter it is if I let you die at all. This man's monologuing like a villain. This man's monologuing like a villain and the other man's like, still. like Where's my Elena, wife? Elena, my wife. Hello, Man. we have guests. Bring the tea. Where's the hors d'oeuvres? I've called for you, like, for eight minutes. Literally. Let's go. Chop, chop, bitch. So, Elaine Morin says, a pity for you that one of your sisters is not here. Sisters, proper nouns. Lots of proper nouns. Yeah. I was never very skilled at healing. I only, I, uh, pity for you that one of your sisters is not here. I was never very skilled at healing, and I follow a different power now. So, there's magic, clearly 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 but even one of them could only give you a few lucid minutes if you did not destroy her first what i can do will serve as well for for my purposes his sudden smile was cruel but i fear shaitan's healing is different from the sort you know be healed loose theron he extended his hands and the light dimmed as if a shadow had been laid across the sun oh shit oh shit plain Plain. Pain blazed in Luz Theron, and he screamed. A scream that came from the depths. A scream he could not stop. Fire seared his marrows. Acid rushed along his veins. He toppled backwards. And then he remembers. He remembers everything. Everything. And he howls. He realizes that he's killed his wife. His kids. His companions. Everyone Mm -hmm. in the castle. And he hurts he hurts and Luz theron he raises his head after he like has this painful realization and he says 10 years betrayer Luz theron Luz theron said softly this soft sound of steel being bared 10 years your foul master has racked the world and now this i will and he gets cut off Ten years, you pitiful fool. This war has not lasted ten years, but since the beginning of time. You and I have fought a thousand battles with the turning of the wheel. A thousand times a thousand, and we will fight until time dies and the shadow is triumphant. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So clearly this is cyclical. Yes. There is always light and dark, and it's a wheel, so it will happen again. It'll come right back around. Which certainly is what this series is about. I'm guessing, since it's the wheel of the wheel of time. The wheel of time. It's definitely not about farming, and it's not a farming simulator. It's not. 
Although that would be great if like we were set up for this epic fantasy and then after this prologue it was all just like shearing sheep just and planting stock farming. I would cry. I'd be so invested that I would keep reading. <laughs> so they like go back and forth and he keeps calling Luce Theron a fool. Mm-hmm. He says, Remember you fool, remember your futile attack on the great lord of the dark, remember his counterstroke, remember even now. A hundred companions are tearing the world apart, and every day a hundred men more join them. What hand slew Elena's son, Herr Kinslayer? Not mine. Not mine. What hand struck down every life that bore a drop of your blood? Everyone who loved you. Everyone who loved you. Everyone you loved. Not mine, Kinslayer. Not mine. Remember and know the price of opposing Shaitan. So something had happened where the Dark Lord's counterstroke affected Luz Theron, Luz Theron in a way that he killed everyone he loved. Yeah. Everyone who bore his blood and everyone who ever loved him. Rough. Real rough. Could not be a worse punishment. No. And he just howls again. He's defeated. He can't... It says, um, his own sons and daughters sprawled like broken dolls, played stilled forever, all slain by his hand. His tears were no answer. The betrayer's, the betrayer's laughter flogged him, drowned out his howls. He could not bear the faces and the pain. He could not bear to remain any longer. Desperately, he reached out to the true source, to tainted Sidon, and he traveled. So, I'm assuming true source and Sidon are synonymous. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that's like the well of magical power. Yeah. And then, oh my god, like, what the fuck is going on? Literally. He traveled, proper noun, and it's, he, like, goes somewhere with flat and empty land, a river flowed nearby, straight and broad, he was alone as alone as a man could ever be, while still alive. And he shouts into the sky, light forgive me, light forgive me. And he was still touching the side in, it says, the male half of the power that drove the universe that turned the wheel of time. That's a series name. We got it on page 32. And the male half of the power, hinting that there's a female half. half. And we know that in the previous couple um, paragraphs prior to Tainted Sidon, so the male half of the power that drives the universe is Tainted. I'm assuming by the Dark One, but I hate that I feel like this is going to be reoccurring. Yeah. I don't want to say taint. It's just too much. So it says he drew on the true source deeply. So you can draw in a certain amount. And still more deeply. Like a man dying of thirst. Quickly he had drawn more of the one power than he could channel unaided. His skin felt as if it were a flame. Straining, he forced himself to draw more. Tried to draw it all. And then he yells, Light forgive me, Elena. And then, holy shit. Yeah. The air turns to fire. The fire to light liquefied. It comes, like, this pillar of fire comes from the heavens. So, pillow of fire touches the earth. The earth shakes. It's bad. This is bad. This Real bad. could be the breaking of the world, right? That's yeah. what it sounds like. Definitely sounds like the breaking of the world. But even after it vanished, the pillar of fire... The earth yet heaved like 
the sea in a storm. Molten rock fountained 500 feet into the air, and the groaning ground rose thrusting, the burning spray ever upward, ever higher, from north and south, from east and west. The wind howled in, snapping trees like twigs, shrieking and blowing as if to aid the growing mountain ever skyward. Ever skyward. <clears throat> so, um, Lewis Theron becomes a mountain. He becomes a mountain. Concerning that that mountain th- that land was flat and now there is this massive mountain literally <laughs> that is problematic but go off and then it says where the lava still gushing from its broken peak the broad straight river had been pushed into a curve away from the mountain and there it split to form a long island in its mist the shadow of the mountain re- almost reached the island it lay dark across the land like the ominous hand of prophecy for a time, the dull, protesting rumbles of the earth were the only sound. On the island, the air shimmered and coalesced. The black-clad man stood, staring at the fiery mountain rising out of the plain. His face tr- twisted in rage and contempt. You cannot escape so easily, dragon. It is not done between us. It will not be done until the end of time. Then he was gone, and the mountain and the island stood alone, waiting. Solid introduction. Solid. So I was looking at this map, and I feel like I want to say I'm trying to find like where his mountain was. I know, and I think it is um, down by the bottom right hand corner. It says like the fingers of the dragon, sea of storms, Syndicate is the island, and it has the drowned lands. And I think the mountain is like right over there. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. Definitely. I like finding things. Oh, wait. There's a mountain called Dragon Mount. I could potentially be wrong, but it's the in the middle of... It's in the middle of the map. And it said that the... I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. But yeah. That is our first... First... Reading section. Yes. And then we're attempting to read chapter one all the way through chapter five. Yes. So we're stopping on chapter six, The Westwood... Um, it seems like a lot, but not too bad. I think we can do it. I think we can definitely do it. It's like, what, 90 or so pages? Yeah, we got like two weeks. But uh, that is the first section. Thoughts? Ooh. Enjoying it so far. Definitely can't wait to read more, especially because, like, you know, some authors do like foreshadowing and it's not like super obvious until you get to those points or even until you reread it again and you're like, Oh my god, how did I yeah, miss how this? Did I? Um, whereas this seems very heavy-handed. But the tiles it's <coughs> laying are so intriguing. It's heavy-handed foreshadowing, certainly. But, but in a way yeah, that I want to read more. And I'm like, okay, where is this going? Like, I need to know more. Definitely. It's definitely like a solid two prologues. It definitely is. Solid. Yeah. Especially because, like, they're so different. Like, one is, like, setting the world and building this like culture and and everything and then the other's like here's the drama and here's how i destroyed the world in soap opera style literally turn myself it. into a mountain i love that i too get so upset that i want to turn myself into a mountain same when i don't have that much power yet no soon i try but not yet i try all right sick and then we can eat and then after that we'll go over like some some personal <laughs> okay so 
uh, there are two of us. So if you make it past us stumbling through the two prologues of Eye of the World, here's your little treat. It's forehead kisses. No, it's not. It's um, <laughs> feet pics. It's feet. God, please don't. <laughs> Me and my hairdresser today talked about how much feet pics are online. And she's like, I've gotten some tips because I'm thinking about it. Don't y'all ten toes at first. And I was like, what? Well, <laughs> how do you hide your, t- how are you taking feet pics and hiding your toes? Um, In a sock? Under a blanket? That, you'll have to cut the name, but, um. <laughs> he had a foot fetish. Did he suck on your toes? No. Oh, good. It was not weird. Was it a lot of foot massages? No. Oh. Um, he liked like stockings and okay. heels. So right. he'd like buy me heels. Um, he bought me a few pairs and wear them while we had sex. Uh, oh. He also just kind of liked like like my feet like on his chest. Like, so that we'd be in like kind a, of a weird position. That really uncomfortable. It was a good position, though. And yeah, my feet would be on his chest. I feel like I that. would rip ass. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the second half of our podcast where we talk about our sex lives. <laughs> it's getting dark out, so... <laughs> we're getting so dark out. we're getting dark out. <laughs> Um, I had one of my exes tell me he only dated me because I was so significantly shorter than him and I had an ass. That was it. Those were my, my redeeming qualities to him. He's like, yeah, I only really date women with significant height differences. He was like six two. So could that significant height difference then be he dates someone who's like seven two? He's like a child. I was going the opposite. I was going tall. It was concerning to me. He was like, yeah, like if you were, I was like, so if I was like a couple inches taller, you'd be over it. And he was like, yeah, I I don't think I'd be interested. And I was like, oh, like, I don't know how to feel about a guy telling me. Like, yeah, why would you tell me? (laughs) He wouldn't be interested in me if I was a little bit taller. Like, at least he's not saying he's only interested in me because he likes my body. It's like, I'm only interested in you because you're short. (laughs) Nothing to do with your personality. I know there was a tweet and it was like, I asked my boyfriend if he'd still love me if I was a worm and he said no. <laughs> oh no, I'm doing the old man raspy laugh. <laughs> and she's like crying. <laughs> For all you Dune fans out there, I would still love you if you were a worm. Oh. You gotta read Dune. Maybe that will be our next one. Sounds good. We've got 14 books though. We haven't decided what <clears throat> fake names we'll use. No, we haven't. Sorry, you don't get to know us. No. At least not our identities. You get to, you will get to know us. Just not our names. Just not our identities. Maybe our feet, though. <laughs> Listen, when you're in the Dead Letters Club podcast, branding, branding, <clears throat> and you enter into the crypt, you don't have a name. Yeah. It's Readers Anonymous. Yeah. Like, we're not going to shame you. No. Like, you're not going to shame us for making predictions about major characters that will probably not be true. Yeah. And, and this way, if they're not true, you can't harass us. Just um, think of us like, I like to think that I'm a ghoul because I'm small and I'm spiteful. Yeah. Those are my defining qualities. I'll have to think about that. You have to think about your two defining qualities. It has to be like one okay one and one bad one. And that's your like monster identity. Heard. I'll do some research. Like, I'm, I could also be a goblin. Yeah. Because, again, I'm small, and I'm neurotic, and I love tiny objects. <laughs> like, t- 
tiny, shiny objects. Oh, speaking of, I have something in my pocket that is tiny. And a shiny object? It's not shiny. Oh my god. It's a little Lego. <gasps> it's a little person. Oh my god. <laughs> this is like from the game of, oh my god, it's a little Lego man. We did the New York Lego <gasps> skyline. This is the, it's that, are you calling me out? Is this because I'm from New York? No, it's just the little Statue of Liberty, the little I Lego fucking, Statue of Liberty. I don't think you understand how much I love miniature objects. I almost cried at Target the other day because Kevin told me we couldn't get a miniature table that they were selling at Target. What that table is for, I have no idea, but I wanted it. Yeah. I needed it. Absolutely. Like tiny, tiny, tiny miniature things. things. are really cute. Have you ever walked through Michael's in their miniature department with the tiny trees? The tiny trees. <laughs> I think there's something wrong with me, but I love them. <laughs> I cannot go in that section because I will buy them and I do not need tiny trees. <laughs> Just going to start gluing tiny trees to the crown molding. It's in the middle of my wall. <laughs> so, uh, we're obviously fools. Yeah. As, you know, discussing random things. Yeah. But, a few things. Okay. Also book related. Also okay. about us. Um, we have been friends for a while. Yes. And we both read. We do. We have also worked together for a really long time. We have. We um, are both bartenders. Yes. With serving backgrounds. Definitely. And um, we, again, love to read. We do. We love books. I didn't read for a very long time. And then like last year, I was like... Yeah, you get back into it. Yeah, I got... Um, I started seeing a lot of book things on Instagram. And I'm like, all right, I'll check this book out. Oh, and also... Midnight Sun came out. Hell yeah. The Twilight one. So I had to read that. And then I was like, <laughs> okay, well, now I have to reread the whole Twilight series. So I did. And then I'm like, okay, now I need some more books. Hell yeah. So yeah. I have a few questions for you. Oh. So if you had to recommend a book, just one book, and it can't be Twilight. Oof. And it can't be Harry Potter. Oof. What would you recommend? One book to give to someone who's not a reader. What is your recommendation? Ooh. Mine is definitely Mistborn. I love that series. And I feel like, as you're thinking, I think Mistborn is so accessible. You know how there's some high fantasy in sci-fi that is definitely not accessible, if you're not familiar with that yeah. format genre. Mistborn, so accessible, easy to read. They're all within like 500 pages. Hmm. It's brilliant. It's so nice. Oh, I don't know. Because like, I definitely... Because I reread the Harry Potter books, too. Like, or actually read them for the first time as an adult. I never read them as a kid. Which was recently. Which was recently. <clears throat> I recently finished them. And that was... Well, when there's, there's a lot of differences in the books and the movies. And so there were so many things where I'm like, this didn't happen or this didn't happen. And like... So I, I, I would definitely recommend those books. Um, I don't know. Because I, I also read a lot of young adult fantasy. Oh, yeah. We love young adult. Yeah. Um, there, you know, well, I do have the Court of Thorns and Roses right there. Those are a little, they're interesting. I like them. <clears throat> I've, I've heard that, um, very divisive. Some people love they them are. and some people absolutely hate them. They are. <clears throat> Apparently, it's a thing, too, in her books that, like, the first book is kind of very different from the rest of the books yeah, yeah, in yeah. her series. Because, like, in the first one, it was supposed to be, like, a Beauty and the Beast retelling, and there's definitely, like, foreshadowing for the other books, but, like, complete different love interests, complete different, like, 
direction of the plot where it's still the same. I mean, they're good. They're easy to read. They're accessible. Like, I read them pretty quickly. Yeah. But I would not say that they're, like, the best Peak. written books. So would you say Harry Potter would be your recommendation? I, I would say Harry Potter would be the recommendation. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see it. All right. Book and film adaptations pretty hot right now. Yes. We're doing a ton of film adaptations for books. Yeah. I just rewatched Dune for the third time. I'm a big Dune fan. I love it. Who would you cast as Egwene? Oh, goodness. See, I don't know because I only know her as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Who would you cast as kid Egwene if we were making a film adaptation? I think I would cast, like, who was the the little girl who played, like, the Mormon, the Mormont house leader in like, oh, the last yeah. season of Game of Thrones? That would be my kid Egwene. Okay. Because she's kind of, like, respectful and, like, kind of, like, more mature than the other kids, but she's also a badass. I could see that. Yeah. And she carries herself as very mature, even though she's young. I, yeah. I definitely would agree with that. Yeah, I don't know much other, like, kid actors. Especially ones that are, like... Good enough to, good. Pull, yeah. <laughs> to pull that off. That don't stare directly at the camera. Yeah, just and that dead-eye like, you. Awkward. Yeah. So, yeah. here's an easier one. Okay. Who would you cast as Luz Theron? Crazy, unhinged, Lord of the Morning. The dragon. Crazy man. We know he's, like, in his middle years, so he's, like mid 30s early 40s he's kind of graying he's unhinged so they have to have the ability to be unhinged hmm. i'm gonna go um matthew mcconaughey for his poor performance as the man in black in the dark tower movie i think we saw that together we did and it was terrible yeah hey you'd be good i you could, i could see like a a brad pitt kind of doing it too yeah like he's got like the years you could see him being like kind of crazy and like neurotic yeah i think that's what i'd have to go with like just imagine matthew mcconaughey with his one only accent all right all right all right where's my family yeah like i just think it would be so good i just think it would be great it'd be the, the level of unhinged that it would need to be obviously um they did make this into an adaptation there is a wheel of time show yes so this is irrelevant. This is just our, our dreams, our hopes and dreams. Do you have a series that you feel like has best been adapted from book to... Oh, best been adapted. Let's see. As someone who is pretty good at separating books from their film adaptations, because they're never going to be the same. No. You're never going to get everything you want. Yeah. As shown to me by the Dark Tower movie, which shattered my heart. I was so excited. We bought premiere tickets. Yeah. We went to the premiere of that movie. And it wasn't very good. It was not good. That was a mistake. Um, I think the new Dune movie did really good. I think it was smart to do it in two parts. Mm. And I just think the that the director, um, the same guy that did Blade Runner 2049, phenomenal job. Not only the dichotomy of the two cultures that you see, which one is the House Atreides, and also the House Harkonnen, both very different cultures, but also the culture of the Fremen, like the native Fremen, who live in the desert, who worship water, whose greatest sin is to waste water. So good, the way they showed it. The only issue I have in that regard with the film is... They don't cover their faces 
when they're out on Arrakis, when they're in their still suits, which in the book you know is fucking dumb. Your face would melt. You can't breathe. But I understand why they did it in the film. They paid millions of dollars for these actors and yeah, actresses. These beautiful actors. Yeah, so you can't, you cannot just cover their face <coughs> for a majority of the film. You yeah. can't do it. Although I have heard, I haven't read the books. But the Shadow and Bone adaptation on Netflix was also pretty good. I read the first book and part of the second one, and then I got distracted by other books. Um, but I've heard that the adaptation is really good. They just announced some of the cast for the second season, too. I'm so excited. I got drawn in. I think I had strep throat when that came out. I watched it in two days, because what else was I doing? Yeah. It was one of those that I was like, oh, I'll wait to read the books, and then I'll watch it. And then I just like never finished the books. Because there's like there's like three parts to the like that are all part of the same like yeah. grisha verse there's the shadow and bone and then there's there's the six of crows six of crows and then there's like some another one which has to do with the one character from the north like that one uh fighter guy yeah and so like i've heard that like some of it is kind of all intertwined at like yeah. once so i was like oh well i have to read all of them and then i never did the show does a really good job with tying in the plot points of those three book series into it like as it's happening in the overarching narrative in the show it's pretty good i always really liked because the vampire diaries books Mm -hmm. terrible real bad so are the true blood books and so i always felt like the show was such a better adaptation it got weaker in the later seasons but like the first few seasons were so good and like so interesting and i yeah i remember reading the books and they were just not good that's exactly how i feel about true blood they were like they felt like a toddler wrote them yes because they were just like very like the voice was very young and yeah i did not like the book and i i read a few of them and they're real weird and thankfully a lot of that stuff did not get into the the show but like as the books get further they get so wild like great it doesn't even like make sense i just read like a synopsis of it and i was like what the fuck is happening like i don't understand where any of this went yeah yeah if so i invested in like the first couple true blood books because i love true blood that show iconic the books not the same yeah just not even in the realm of similarities very different tonally direction wise yeah i have no idea like i'm like how did this become this i don't understand yeah 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 some books are like that when they go to the show and you're like okay and sometimes it's for the best and sometimes it is not yeah speaking of interesting books we are planning on doing a uh kind of one-off episodes where we discuss problematic book series that we've read oh, yeah so definitely stay tuned for that you have that to look forward to where we just rip on these weird books that got published Weird books <laughs> oh yeah if they can get published we can get published yeah certainly sometimes um one of the podcasts that i listen to one of my favorite ones uh the girl is a writer mm-hmm. and she's written one book and is working on her second but the first one got like um, rejected by like publishers rough yeah and like people have asked her they're like oh why don't you like self-publish it you know 
She's like, no, because I like, you know, it's kind of like my dream to get like accepted and published and like yeah. all that. Um, it's like a big accommodation. Exactly. And I'm just like, oh man, like I really want to read the book. Like, just publish it. I know. I'm like, publish it for me. Publish it on like fanfic sites. Publish it on WordPress. Let us read it. Exactly. Kristen Crusoe, if you're listening, please publish your book. Yeah. Um, your number one book that you read last year. Um. Okay. It is probably Midnight Sun. Yeah. There's no restrictions here because. I felt like it was written so much better than any of the Twilight movies or Twilight books <laughs> because like, like the character, like, you know, Edward's older, more mature, whatever. Like yeah, he's also a psychopath. Yeah. Um, but it was, so it was like written better to where like Twilight was written, you know, from the perspective of a 17 year old girl. So it kind of sounds like a 17 year old girl. A 17 year old girl that acts like she's <coughs> 65. But also acts like she's 10. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird dichotomy, but... Yeah. And so it was just like... It was much better written than I had expected it to be. Yeah. Um, I also really did enjoy the the first two from Blood and Ash books. Uh Oh. Again, kind of a... They're more of like the new adult fantasy because there's sex. Yeah. there's sex scenes. Yeah. It doesn't just do the like fade to black. Spoiler alert. You Spoiler get full alert. penetration. Oh, written yeah. Written in words. Yeah. Um, but I'm really disappointed by the third one right now because I know there's there's going to be six in the like series um, and she's kind of written like an offshoot of them as well. And the first two I feel like were really good, really interesting. But the point I'm at in the third one, it feels like it's kind of just stalled. Like where not a lot of like plot is being progressed like, what's going on? and there's like a lot of like talking and they're talking a lot about what's happened and like how these two characters are going to deal with what's happened but i'm like okay but deal with it deal with it like get to that point like <laughs> like i get it and there's like a lot of little it, it almost feels kind of like fan fictiony where you know we're like oh, everything's no. great and then something chaotic happens to make everybody upset like and you're like it's conveniently chaotic for everyone Yeah, involved. and I'm like, okay, like, every time they kind of, like, settle down, something bad happens. Okay. Hell yeah. So I'm like, all right. And I heard that it was one of the, weak- the weakest of the series so far. The yeah. fourth one comes out, I think, in March? Sometime. Um, but I'm like, oh, I really liked the first two. And I think it's that the sad. world that you've built is actually interesting, but I just... Want to see more of it and yeah. not talking. About yeah, seeing more of it. It's also a little weird because like it's kind of vampires, but kind they're called of vampires. yes. It's kind of complicated. Okay. Like we're talking about like blade vampire where they can like hang out in the daylight. Some of them can yes. Okay, and then there's like there's like a different species that they like accidentally created, and those are like the more true vampires that can't go out in the daylight Got because it. they're kind of like. They're more monstrous. They're less, like, sexy (coughs) vampire and more, like, creepy vampire. They're still, like... Sexy vampire? Yeah, because there's, like, the main vampire, but they kind of only feed off of each other's blood. Gross. And then they created the, like, they're called, like, vampires, and those are the, like, traditional can't go in the sun. Their, like, eyes are all black. They, like, have crazy bloodlust. And then they accidentally created this, like, other offshoot of vampire called the Craven that are just, like... They're like zombie vampires. Like they just like, they're people who didn't 
who got fed on and didn't like completely die. die. And then they like just like hunger for blood. Um, Me too. But the main ones, the main like vampires, they're called Atlanteans. No. Which is, which is just weird because I'm like, no. it just makes me think of something else. Like, like I'm tired of these Atlantis tie-ins. I'm but it's it. not even about Atlantis. That's so weird. So yeah, it's just like, okay, like, I, uh, I'm like, just change the name. Just because like, I'm like, I think of like Jason Momoa. I think of the Disney movie. And that too. Like, I'm like, okay, like. Like Milo. Yeah. And yeah. it kind of makes it like. My not confusing. One crush when I was a kid. I did I was love like, that. that cartoon man is hot. I also wanted to be that girl. I was like, oh yes. We went to like McDonald's afterwards and got yeah. the like, McDonald's toy like <laughs> necklace, and I was like, yes. I want to be the uh, the paperclip guy. Paperclips, big ones. I want to be that guy. Yeah. My uh my number one book I read last year would be Gideon the Ninth. We talked about this at work recently, but mm. I think that book did such a great job of mind melt fantasy and sci-fi so it takes place in a scientific scientific a sci-fi type setting Mm -hmm. where there's multiple planets um there's space travel there's new technology but each planet has its own special necromantic ability Hmm. the magic system is all necromancy and Mm -hmm. each planet they're called houses each house in each planet has its own special sect of necromancy it's very interesting sounds cool there's lesbians, too. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's a selling point for some people, but there are lesbians. It is a selling point. Yeah, we love lesbians. And then our last question. Um, what is a book that you haven't read yet that you are looking forward to reading? Um, well, Game of Thrones has been on my list for a really long time. Oh, hell yes. I would love that. Um, you also got me Ninth House. Very good book. That Wanna is read by that? the... Shadow and Bone. The um, Shadow and Bone author. Uh, it's like Lee Burdreau or... Yep. Something like that. Very different tone. Um, and then I got the These Violent Delights duology nice. for my birthday, and I want to read those. It's a Romeo and Juliet retelling, oh. but in 1920s Shanghai. Okay, I'm interested. I'm in. Yeah, I'm very intrigued. If it's and I've not heard really West Side good things. Story, I'm in. I think it's... <laughs> no offense. But I don't like it. I'm... Yeah, I'm not a musical person i am and i'm not i love musicals but west side story it's not it for me it doesn't really get me they just yeah they just never yeah i was just like okay um i've picked up some recent books i've picked up some books recently that makes way more sense yeah um i haven't read the newest stormlight archive book i'm going to read that soon but like the trade paperback hasn't come out yet so i only have the hardcover that i pre-ordered that's like bigger than my head so how am I, how is this efficient to read? Yeah. Like, where am I carrying that? Am I tuck it under my arm? No. <laughs> no. So I'm excited to read that one. Um, I'm excited to start the second book, book in air quotations, of the Sandman audio, audible exclusive book. Also really good. Um, I also picked up Fire and Blood, you know, the book that George R. R. Martin wrote instead of finishing Game of Thrones. Oh, I think I have that book, yeah. too. Like, he's not finishing A Song of Fire and Ice, but here's another book. So, I have that. I'm kind of interested. They're making the HBO show. That seems really cool. And Is it on that book? Yeah. Huh. Because I started reading that book, but it felt very much like... 
like almost like an encyclopedia like here is this and so i was like okay like i'm kind of looking for plot i can bring you over his uh dream songs book which is like a compendium of short stories uh one of them is called the dance with dragons and that's what the show is going to be about it's a war Hmm. between the targaryens and the blackfires very interesting stuff i'm super into it yeah i would very much like that and then i uh, i picked up a new stephen king book if you didn't know, you probably don't, but I'm a big Stephen King fan. I knew. I knew. You knew, but <laughs> the they yeah. don't know. I also have another book series that um, I heard. It's called, I think it's called The Deadly Education. We love education. And it's like... And death. It's kind of like I've heard. It's almost like Harry Potter, but for like a more mature audience. Oh like, my god, I have a book series for you. But continue. So interested in reading that too i'm gonna bring you over i don't know if you finished reading it or if i recommended it to you before but the magician's trilogy. oh i know i read the first one it's and then so good. never read the second one. i have all of them i feel like i had your second one you might but anyway very good books um the ending is kind of disappointing but other than that i remember really liking it there's also a show yes i think i watched the first season or the first two seasons, and then it, I didn't hear much about it, and I didn't yeah. hear like until later that there was like more seasons. Or yeah, there's like four seasons. Yeah. I only heard about the first and the second, and then I looked on like some kind of streaming service. I'm like, oh, there's four. The, oh yeah, there's more. Oh, and it's like oh, right. okay, there's four. A lot of books that I need to read. And guess what? You'll just keep getting more. Exactly. You know what my library looks like? I have three bookcases. I need more. That are disgustingly full. have wanted to, like, get a full bookcase in this room. Somewhere. I really think it would look great on that wall right there. I think so, too. I want another... I need another bookcase. Yeah. But I'm prohibited. So now I've I've resorted to, like, you know, have you, your books vertically on a shelf. Mm-hmm. They're now horizontally on top of other books. <laughs> yeah. And everyone for any, like, birthday, Christmas, Valentine's Day, here's a gift card to Barnes & Noble. I'm like, great. Perfect enablers all i need is more give me more books see and i love hardcovers too like i gotta get like the hardcover. i'm a paperback gal i just like i love them for like the display purposes they're a great display but i feel like they're like hard to read they're a little harder to read yeah yeah um i think that's it i think that's it join us next time come to our next meeting come yes. into the crypt yes we are an open door crypt it's hard to find our location. Crips are usually hidden. It but is. if you um, are walking around on a night with a full moon and there's some fog, just keep going. You'll find the it. Fog. Keep walking until it seems right and there's going to be a door on the ground. Just open it up. You're in the crypt. You're there. Welcome. Join us next time. Come to our next meeting. Um, thank you so much for listening to our podcast in a crypt, the Dead Letters Club. Special thank you to Cade Sov, that's at C-A-E-D-S-A-U-V, for making us sound better. And our theme song, which is perfect. It is perfect. Another special thank you to Art with Erica, that's art underscore with 
underscore Erica for all of your art commission needs. She does our art, which I love. That is very kind of her. And we're your enigmatic, ghoulish hosts. We are. You can find us on Instagram as well. And if you want to scream into the void, we do have an email for all complaints, inquiries, and questions. Thank you so much. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye.